This reading is taken from the NRSV, Matthew 3, 1 to 17, the proclamation of John the Baptist. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the shaft will come, sorry, will he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had baptized, just as he came from up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, the beloved, with who I am well pleased. We welcome you today to Weston Park Baptist Church on this Pentecost Sunday. We've been looking at a theme of God coming towards us. And last week, looking at the story of the woman at the well, John 4, we, we, we noticed and observed that there's a, a great leap forward in that Christ is declared to be the Messiah. The woman at the well says, I know there will be a day when the, when the Messiah will come and he will teach us all things. And then Jesus says that I am he, I am the Messiah. And so it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful passage, an amazing passage that we can really reflect on as Christians. We, we think and read through the Old Testament that the Messiah will come and all these amazing texts, let's say from the prophet Isaiah, uh, that the Messiah will come, the wonderful counselor, Prince of Peace, this one. And then Jesus is that one. So it's, it's a great leap. And we are look, 
looking towards Christ as the Messiah. As he's come once, he will come again. So that, that's a, a big sign of God coming towards us. But following that, we move to, from the Incarnation now to Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so this is, again, a, a major step forward in terms of God coming towards us. So last week with the Messiah, John 4, and here we're thinking of the Spirit coming towards us. And to help us here, we're going to look at the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, thinking in terms of the baptism of Christ. And so, uh, you know, we want to see how that story really is a Trinitarian story. It speaks of the Father, the Son, and of the Spirit as the Spirit descends as a dove. So it's the divine family. So God not as a solitaire, but God in community, Father, Son, Spirit, Parent, Son, Spirit, this God is a God of community, and he reveals himself in community. That's how God comes towards us, and we see it very early in the Gospels, uh, even in the story of Christ's baptism. So that's where we're going to look today, chapter 3 of Matthew. So this is a story uh, early in Christ's ministry, really very beginning, and we, we back it up and we think of Jesus as a young boy. We think of John the Baptist as a young boy. Remember their cousins, Mary and Elizabeth, were very close. Go back to the Nativity Chronicles. So Jesus and John knew each other. And they had spent time together. They, they, they had a relationship together. They, they were close, first cousins. You can imagine this would be a very close relationship. And out of that, they, they build their own dynamics and their own relationship. As they get older, John um, senses a call to become a prophet, to be a prophet. He hears God's voice calling him in this way. And remember that in Israel, there had not been a prophet for four centuries, for 400 years. Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, he was the last prophet that Israel had. And so that's four centuries, right? That's a long time, right? And then all of a sudden, John speaks as a prophet, and the people get it. They recognize that John is a prophet. And so, clearly, there's a lot of excitement. Hey, there is a new prophet. God is coming to us with a new voice. And we see the excitement as throngs of people go from Judah and beyond, from Jerusalem, to go out into the desert to meet and hear John and to be baptized in the Jordan River. So it's, it's, there's a lot of excitement. And John is clearly on everybody's radar. This is all by way of background. And so then Jesus is introduced into the story as Jesus comes, relative of John, and comes into the story. So that, that's kind of where we're going. So we, we, we begin with John then. John as the Baptist and his message. So we hear in Matthew 3, In those days John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is of the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So that's just an indication of some of the great texts that we have in Isaiah 
that speaks of the one who would come. And so there's a recognition that the Messiah will come, but that there will also be one who will come and prepare the way. Isaiah speaks of that, a forerunner to the Messiah. And so John the Baptist is this forerunner. He is the one to come and prepare the way for the Messiah to come. And his message in verse 2 is, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Interesting, with Matthew, he uses the phrase kingdom of heaven. Mark and Luke, they use the phrase kingdom of God. They they both reference the same thing. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. We'll note in Matthew 4 that when Jesus really engages his ministry, he begins with the very same words. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's the message of John. It's the message of Jesus. And what it really means to the community and to us today is to wake up. Wake up because there is a kingdom to gain. That's what John is saying. That's what Jesus is saying. We get stuck in our own patterns, whatever they are, good times, bad times, tough times, your family, your work, your job, whatever it is, we get stuck in that place like a rock. We're just stuck on it. We don't know where else to go. And John is reminding the people, and Jesus will remind them, hey, man, wake up, because there's a bigger story than just what's going on in your life at the moment. There is a kingdom of God to gain. This is what John says, Jesus will say as well. Turn your life around. And so the message is one of repent. Repent is not a negative word, it's not a scary word, but it does call for a complete reorientation of one's life. So don't just don't get overly stuck in, in all these negative things. So a self-centered life on concentrating on success or money or things, whatever that might be. We all do it. And, you know, we narrow the focus. And John is saying, open it right up, man. Open the camera lens way out. Jesus says the same thing. Because there is a kingdom to gain. Something bigger than these immediate uh, issues that we face, concerns, here and now. So a complete reorientation of one's life. So I like what Thomas Long says about it. We have it on the screen. Repentance does not mean feeling sorry about the things one has done wrong or guilty about one's past. We may feel that, for sure, but that's not what repentance really means. Rather, repentance is a basic reorientation of one's life. In repentance, one turns from one framework of meaning to another, from one way of thinking about self, others, God, and life, to another competing and compelling vision. So repentance is to turn your life around. Repent, John says, for the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. Recognize that there's more going on of import in your life. Recognize that. See it. Enjoy it. Been reading a little bit of John of the Cross recently, and John himself was had a challenging life. You know, he's he's recognized as a great mystic in the Catholic Counter Reformation of the 1500s, and he was a student of Teresa of Avila, and he feels called to move into her uh, order that she's got going. 
And the present order of John is so upset about this change, they throw him into jail. And so he's in this little cell, tiny little cell, 8 by 10. And he's in there with a little window at the very top. And not only that, they beat him three times a week, and that happens for 10 months. So you can imagine that's pretty terrible stuff. Eventually he gets free. And it's interesting, after that, his way of prayer is just to be outside with his eyes open and just enjoy the created order. And that view, he talks a lot about birds and what they, they're doing and going about, animals. That becomes his, his way of prayer, just to be in creation. You can imagine being stuck in this little cell for, all, for almost a year and then get out. That's how prayer becomes for him. It becomes a whole new way of seeing things. And so we're invited to see differently, repent, make God your center. He is the one. So to wake up to his kingdom, to wake up from your sleepy state, to rouse yourself to what really matters most. John is saying that to the people of Israel. And a lot of them are saying, you know what, you're right. Because they follow through and get baptized. That that was not happening in those days. There was no symbol of regular baptism like this. So it's, it's new. And the people are baptized with the goal to turn their life around. So that's, that's where the story begins. Now, with that happening, we hear this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized him. And John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Interesting that this is the only dialogue that we have of Jesus and John in all of the Gospels. We have no other immediate time when they speak together. Obviously, they had in the past lots of times. But here Jesus comes, and he wants to be baptized. And John says, no, 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 man. Hey, you, you are way beyond who I am. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no. And he says no because he wants to completely identify with the people of Israel, with, with humankind. He wants to identify with us in solidarity with our own weaknesses, our own fragility. This, this is why Jesus wants to be baptized here. He wants to show an, that he identifies with us all, with the people who are being baptized. He's not being baptized because of sin. He's not being baptized because he did things wrong. He's not presented that way in the Gospels, in the Scriptures. Rather, he is completely whole, perfect in our sense. But he wants to be baptized to align himself with you and for me. So it's, it's a good example of the suffering Savior that we have in Jesus. So John then, okay, then he baptizes him. So from that, we, we see a, a wonderful uh, reality of, of John and his humility John had earlier said, you know, that I, to his disciples, I am not worthy to even untie his sandals. The one who comes after me must grow. He must increase, and my, I must decrease. So John has a wonderful expression of humility 
and seeing what is really of import here. And it's about the Messiah, not about me as the one who is the forerunner. So this is going on as John and Jesus speak. Text continues, and when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. So this becomes an an incredibly important moment for Jesus. This becomes a funding moment for Jesus. We all have spiritually funding moments. And what that means is, is events in our lives where we have being touched by God in a particular way in the past, we, are, we need to keep remembering those, remember them again, so that they keep funding power into our lives. And this becomes something powerful for Jesus as he's going to begin his public ministry. This is, this is the beginning. And so we see two things that happen in this baptism. One, as he rises from the water, the Spirit of God descends upon Jesus like a dove. The other gospel says, as a dove. So is it really a dove or, or some sort of vision of the Spirit descending upon him? We don't know exactly. Here it says, like a dove. A dove is mobile. A dove is gentle. And the Spirit of God descends on Jesus and in this gentle way and affirms him. The Spirit coming upon Jesus. And then there's also a voice from heaven, the voice of the Father. This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. So it's a word of witness. Others around Jesus and John at that point heard the voice. This is my Son. So it's the voice of the Father affirming Jesus as his child, as his Son, as he begins to go out and begin his public ministry. This is my son. It's interesting that there's another account later in the gospel at the Mount of Transfiguration where the father speaks again and it ends by saying, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So the disciples are around, or at least the three, are around Jesus on the Mount of Tabor at that point. And the father says, listen to him. And so that's a message to us. Jesus, we're told, hey, he, he is my beloved son, so listen to him. And you and I are invited to listen to Christ, listen to his words, to his teaching, all the way through our lives to remember, remember again, and let the word, let Christ lead us and guide us. So we are talking about God is a God who comes towards us. And so here we see God coming towards Jesus in the Spirit. And so the passage is Trinitarian, not in a theological way that we learn from Paul later, but we recognize the three persons here. We have the Father speaking, the Spirit descending as a dove, and we have the Son. So in just this little story, we recognize that the Godhead is a family, the family of God. And so we are invited to know God in this communal way, in fellowship with the Father, Son, Spirit, Parent, Son, Spirit, 
And as Jesus is empowered by the Spirit, so are we. God comes towards us through his Holy Spirit. So that is the story. So now, okay, we draw back and we think, okay, what what does this mean for us? And I have a few points here to suggest. Well, one is, we know that Jesus says in the Gospel of John that I have more to say to you, but you are not ready to receive it yet. But I do have more to say. And ultimately, the Spirit will come, the paraclete, who walks alongside you, he will come and lead you into further truth. That's what Jesus says, John 14, 15, 16. I have more to teach you, but you're not ready yet, but the Spirit will come and he will teach you. So in John 16, we hear Jesus say, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears and he will declare to you the things that are to come. That's Jesus speaking in the upper room to his disciples. I've got more to say, but you're not quite ready yet. And so God comes towards us now through the Spirit. So the important piece to hear is that the Spirit becomes God's communication of the Father, Son, Spirit to us. God communicates to us. His communication to us is through the Spirit of God. The Father, the Son, the Parent, the Son speak to us through the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit of God is the one who communicates to us. And so we are to be open and recognize that the Spirit, dear Spirit of God, speak to me. So there's a little prayer that I would suggest. Spirit of God, reveal yourself to me, your child. Recognize that God is God in three persons, one nature. Spirit of God, reveal yourself to me, your child. That would be a good prayer for you and for me to participate in and to own. So we can ask ourselves, well, you know, what, what are the names that we use for God? How do we address God? And oftentimes, as adults, we still use the name or the pattern that we use when we were children. Whatever name we call God there, dear God, dear shepherd, dear savior. And we, we hold on to that same one all the way through our lives. Well, in one way that's okay, but in another way, maybe there's more for us. And when we think of God coming towards us, it's, it's good for us to recognize God coming to us as the spirit of God and to name God that way, spirit of God, reveal yourself to me, your child. Why? Because God communicates to you and to me through his spirit. Number one, they have more to learn, but they're not quite ready, Jesus says. Two, God communicates to us through the spirit. Three, if we want to grow in Jesus, we need to grow as we open ourselves to the spirit. That's how we grow. We grow by saying yes to Jesus through the Spirit, because it is the Spirit of God who dwells within us. It is the Spirit of God who inhabits us. So if we want to grow, if you want to grow, we grow through being open to the Spirit of God, to drink from the Spirit of God. Last week, the woman at the well, John 4, I want to know more. I want to know more of you. I want to drink from your well. This is how we drink. We open ourselves to the Spirit of God. Pay attention to the Spirit in our lives. 
We've been reading a little bit of Brother Lawrence, practicing the presence of God. And you might remember the story of Brother Lawrence. He, he, he wasn't a priest. He, he's just a fellow in the, the monastery, worked in the kitchen. But he was able to divine the presence of God in everything through his day. So the examples of washing dis- dishes. He washes dishes for the glory of God within the community. And it goes on to say that with Brother Lawrence, when he was outside, even if he picked up a piece of straw, as he picked that up, he recognized God's presence in that reality through his spirit, picking up the straw, paying attention, or looking at the birds and seeing what they're about, paying attention to the Holy Spirit communicating to us in those, in those events. Sometimes we as Baptists, we kind of back off from the Spirit. We're not quite what, what's going to go on there. We tend to like to control things. So we back off from the Spirit. That's not, that's not helpful. We need to be open to the Spirit and, and God in all ways. Father, Son, Spirit. The Spirit continues. God wants to continue to teach us things. So maybe we as Baptists need to be learning and growing in terms of this third person of the Godhead and working in our lives because we want to know Jesus more. We we know through the Spirit of God. That's the third piece. God communicates to us. We grow through Jesus. And then finally and fourthly, it is the Spirit who missions us. It is the Spirit who who gives us purpose. It is the Spirit who empowers us. So if we want to sharpen our focus, sharpen our clarity, sharpen our vocation, this happens through the Spirit of God. So if if in your life right now you're thinking, like, man, I need more guidance, I need need more direction, what what am I supposed to be doing now? Then the way we begin there is to look to the Spirit of God because it is the Spirit of God within us who inhabits us, who will lead us in this new path of vocation. So we need to open ourselves up, reorient ourselves. The Spirit, through Jesus, is the master teacher who mentors us. So for you, for your family, for us as a church, going forward, we need more and more and more of the work of the Spirit in our lives. Beyond denominational barriers, open ourselves up to all that God has for us, for you, for me, for our community of faith. Father, mother, parent, son, spirit, paraclete, the one who walks alongside us, all of these things, listening for his voice. He is the one who will empower us, who will help us. We need to listen. So Jesus and John says, hey guys, wake up, for there is a kingdom to gain. Wake up. Don't just dwell in your sadness or dwell in your concern, dwell in all the things that aren't going right. Don't don't give in to that. Remember, there is a kingdom to gain. 
Wow! God who created the universe is for you, for me. Israel in the first century, Israel right now and all their hassles that are going on. God there for them. Will we have ears and hearts that are open for them, for us here in Weston? Wake up, for there is a kingdom to gain through the power, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life and my life here on Pentecost Sunday. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.